Process of Discovery, a clinical research podcast from the NIHR Clinical Research Network. My name is Alan Goh, and it's a pleasure to have you with us. I'm joined today by Dr. Jonathan Sheffield, who is the Chief Executive Officer for the NIHR Clinical Research Network. Dr. Sheffield trained in medicine, and after a career as a histopathologist, he became Medical Director of the Yeovil District Hospital and then University Hospitals Bristol. Through his different roles, he has maintained his passion for clinical research. And in 2009, he was awarded an OBE for services to the NHS. Dr. Sheffield, thank you for speaking to us today on this podcast. It's an absolute pleasure. Thank you for inviting me. In your role in the NIHR, you have a range of responsibilities. But I would like to focus today on one of your main interests, that of the evolving area of stratified medicine. Indeed, in 2016, you chaired a workshop exploring the NIHR Clinical Research Network support for precision slash stratified medicine studies. Now, these terms, stratified medicine, personalised medicine, even precision medicine, they're cropping up more and more. So could I begin by asking you to explain these terms to our listeners? Do they all mean the same thing? I think it's really interesting. So being a pathologist, you're really good at sort of definitions usually and what surprised me is how lazy we are with these terms and so people do use them interchangeably but to me they mean something quite separate so each one means something quite separate. So the issue we've got is that the science that we have available to us all the omics not just genomics but proteomics metabolomics all these things are allowing us to stratify disease to define disease so not dissimilar to what happened with the discovery of microbes 150 years ago, we suddenly realised that consumption became a disease that was microbe. You know, we, we managed to define it even further. That's what's happening with a whole range of diseases now. So I would say stratified medicine is about stratifying the disease. What that allows us to do is then to precisely target the mechanism that's causing disease. So precision medicine is the application of appropriate products, treatments that are targeted for that stratified area of disease. Now where I think personalised medicine is different is people use that term interchangeably, but if you ask patients what they think personalised medicine is, it's something completely different. Personalised medicine to them is having the right treatment in the right place at the right time that's convenient to them. And that's why I think we have to be really quite clear about the definitions. Um, I sometimes use the, the analogy of Formula One motor racing. So I play this video and it basically shows how we, how Formula One changed tyres in the 1950s. And when you see the video, it's a very slow, cumbersome process. And they say how speedy it is, but it takes about two and a half minutes. And then they come back to three years ago and the Melbourne Grand Prix and the car comes in and you've gone from having these people shambling around changing the wheels to having a team of 22 mechanics all ready for action. The car comes in and less than two seconds later, the car's been refueled, tyres changed and the car's gone out. And that to me is a precision treatment to changing wheels. But in actual fact, if I want my tyres changed, I don't want to go to a Grand Prix track and have that. I actually want to use e-tyres where I get the best price and the best treatment for my tyres 
at a time that's convenient to me. So e-tyres will come to your house and will change the tyres on your car in your drive so that you don't have the inconvenience of it. So I think this, that they are quite different. And if you look at the strategy that's been written for personalised medicine uh, by the National Health Service, it's much more focused on the patient experience of how their care is delivered than when people are talking about precision medicine, which is completely different. All healthcare really has to be as evidence-based as possible. I think that's the world we, we very much accept we're now living in. And that means we need robust evidence, a robust evidence base for such a stratified approach. Um, traditional research studies are, of course, not without their challenges, as we all know. But do you see any additional challenges to the design and delivery of such stratified medicine studies? I think definitely. So we, we, we've seen increasing complexity of the clinical trials that we do anyway, and the inclusion and exclusion criteria are getting more and more detail, which means it's harder and harder to find patients. So in a traditional study that we run now, you might start off with 100 patients, but you end up with only three of those 100 patients having the disease. But if we look at a true precision medicine study, uh, and a good example of that is the, the matrix lung trial, which is looking at genetic variations of uh, non-small cell carcinoma of the, the lung, a very common disease, but it started off with seven arms when it was first launched, and it now has, I think it's 23 different arms to it. And so some of the mutations you're looking at in, in, in that particular cancer are 1% of the population of patients with that particular cancer. Now our traditional method for doing that type of research was you'd open up in a big centre and the patients would come through and because you were treating them a much broader band of patients that you'd, you'd recruit those patients in reasonable numbers in individual centres. For something like a precision medicine study where you're looking for a 1% mutation, you're going to have to take the whole population. So the patients aren't going to conveniently turn up at the Royal Marsden Hospital. They're going to be in Barrow-in-Furness, Truro, across the country. So we have to find ways of actually finding those patients and then explain to them the opportunity of research that they could be involved in. So I think the way that we deliver research is going to change quite dramatically, put that in place. Now that's the example in cancer, but what's happening in cancer is happening across the board. If we look at inflammatory diseases, rheumatoid arthritis, we're going to have increasing stratification. So we have to think really quite differently about the model of the way that we work research. And, and, and to me, key to that is the personalization part where you get the patient involvement and patients presenting themselves. So it's not just going to be a simple genetic test that defines the patient. What's, what's more difficult and more important will be the phenotyping of the patient. And we need to get patients involved in that phenotyping because otherwise we're going to waste a huge amount of time, energy, effort, and it's going to take us even longer to complete these studies. So I think the more we can get patients involved, the more that they can help us with the phenotyping of their disease by using new methodologies, digital techniques for them to complete forms, getting their involvement really early on, the more chance we have of actually having a really responsive environment for the delivery of these types of precision studies. And do you see the, the NIHR having a, a particular role in this? Clearly it's a, a great interest of yours and it's like an evolving interest across the medical field. How does the NIHR play into this? The NIHR is absolutely essential. So we deliver most of the clinical research in the National Health Service. Uh, we either fund it through our 
our translational centres that are based at biomedical research centres or through the clinical research network or the clerks for late delivery of um, the actual application of the, of the science into health care populations. But for, for the clinical research network, we've, we've already seen it. So over the last five years, we've seen a decline in cohort size of the studies that we're doing. So the average cohort size five years ago was about 180 patients. Last year it was less than 90. So we're already seeing that specialization. So trials are becoming increasingly complex, increasingly difficult, and finding the patients becoming increasingly hard. Now, if we're not careful, that's just going to inflate the costs of research at a time when we don't need to do that. So we've got to find new techniques, and I think the NIHR is absolutely key to that. NIHR is key to it, but patients are probably even more key. Getting their involvement and their engagement early on is really important. And if I could just end with that, you've alluded a number of times um, in your, our discussion to the idea of involving the patient, speaking to them, and the idea of personalised medicine does very much seem to have come right down to that, doesn't it? I mean, yeah. we t quite often we think of things like, how should you say, high-tech tests, genetic profiling, genomic studies, whatever. But actually, it's all about talking to people, isn't it? Yeah. There's been some fascinating work by the charities recently. So if we take cystic fibrosis, huge developments now in specific genetic tests and genetic treatments for people with cystic fibrosis. But I was talking to the cystic fibrosis charity recently and one of the things they found is that patients by using interactive tools and looking at their, their general feeling of well-being, um, they can predict major changes in their disease two weeks before the science does. So their, their oxygen saturation levels drop. That's always seen as a point where doctors decide that they need to treat them with anti antibiotics and increased physiotherapy, etc. But actually the patients quite often can recognise through some qualitative measures that they're not right a fortnight before. If we can start to look into the research into that, we can start to think about earlier interventions because by the time their SATs are dropping, they're already d damaging their lungs. And if we continue to treat in the way that we've traditionally treated this type of disease, um, we'll continue to have the same amount of damage to the lungs. So I believe, and it won't just apply in cystic fibrosis, it'll, it'll apply to chronic obstructive airways disease, asthma, patients and quality of life indicators that they can self-measure will actually probably give us earlier warning of a sudden decrease in their function. And to me, that's why we have to get that personalised medicine piece right. And that is completely separate from the precision treatments that we'll develop in that process. The history of healthcare has been a, a remarkable journey. Um, and the wonderful thing about it is that it's not over yet. And we can see so many interesting things on the horizon. Dr Sheffield, thank you so much for talking to us today. Thank you. I've really enjoyed it. Thank you. This has been The Business of Discovery, a podcast from the NIHR Clinical Research Network. Thanks for listening.